I believe that every word in the Bible is there for a purpose. Every name, every punctuation mark was put there by God. Someone asked me one time, do you believe in verbal inspiration? I told him, I believe in tittle inspiration. We talked about what a tittle is in Sunday school, jotting a tittle this morning. A little punctuation mark, smallest letter in the alphabet. I believe that every jot and tittle was put there by God on purpose. And as we talked about in Sunday school, it will not pass away until all of it has been fulfilled. And as Adam's saying about, we're still looking for some of it to be fulfilled. The rapture of the church, uh, Jesus coming uh, coming back and setting up his reign, the judgments still to come. And so it hasn't been all fulfilled yet. And so his word will stand until it is. This morning, my text verse is verse number 7 that we read from Psalm, verse 40, uh, from Psalm 46, where the Bible says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. That word host means a multitude of the same thing. And so, for example, we read in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, in the book of Isaiah, about the host of stars. There is a host of stars. Now, you know, we live up north where there's lots of street lights and other lights. I can remember the first time, really the first time that I went down south with my, my wife-to-be. Uh, we, went, we went with her parents down to, to Mississippi. And I can remember walking out of the house that first night, completely dark, and looking up to the sky. And, and I told my future father-in-law, I did not know there was this many stars in the sky. I did not know that you could see this many stars with the naked eye. The sky was just full of stars. And this verse says that the Lord is host of all the stars. We read in the Bible uh, that, uh, about the host of angels. Uh, and uh, they, are, they are his servants. And he is Lord of all the angels. And so he directs all the angels. He commands all the angels. All the angels serve at his pleasure. And so, again, he's the host of all the stars. He's put them in their place. The Bible says he knows them by name. Uh, and so he, he, is, he is the Lord of the host of stars. He is the Lord of the host of angels. If angels have names, and I, I, don't, I know of two of them that do, uh, the, three of them that do, uh, the archangels, and perhaps the rest of them do too. The Lord of the host of angels know their names. He gives them their assignments. They carry out their assignments in, in answer to his command. And then the, the Bible also talks about the, a host of nations, the nations that make up the earth in, in, in Jesus' day, the nations that make up the earth in our day, all the nations that have ever existed on the faith of the earth, even though they might, they might have been heathen nations, even though they might have been nations that had no respect for God, uh, he, he is the Lord of all nations. Uh, and, and, and so he is the Lord of hosts. And just stop and think about it from those three examples. He's, a, he's the Lord of all the hosts of stars. So everything in the heaven, he is the Lord of. They are under his command. He is the Lord of all nations of the earth. You say, well, preacher, there's been some wicked nations that haven't had anything to do with God. He was still in charge. He was still the Lord of those nations. And one of these days, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord of lords, King of kings, 
and Lord of Lords. And so he's the Lord of all the hosts in the heaven. He's the Lord of all the hosts of the earth. And he's the Lord of all the hosts in between. The Lord of hosts. That praise reminds us of the glory that our God deserves. Our God deserves our glory. We need to glorify God. We talked about it in Sunday school a little bit. To glorify God means to give him glory. To glorify God means to praise him. To glorify God means to ascribe honor to him. And our God deserves our glory. Let me just read a few verses for you from the Bible. Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. We can look to the heavens. We can look to what God created in the heavens. And we can glorify him for what we see that he has made. The God of, in Psalm 29, verse 3, the God of glory thundereth. Every time you hear the thunder peal, you ought to think, what a good God I have. What a glorious God I have. In Psalm 8, verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. There's hundreds of names for God in the Bible. Every time we hear one of those names, we ought to think about the attribute of God that that name suggests. And we ought to raise our voice in praise to our God, glorifying him for all that he is. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3. When Isaiah was commissioned, the, the angels cried, The whole earth is full of his glory. And again, as we look to the heavens and see what he created and glorify him, we can look to the earth and see everything in the earth that he has made. And, bring, and that ought to cause us to glorify our God. When Jesus was announced, when he was born on the earth, born of a virgin, the angels said, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. The angels were ascribing glory to God because he had, he had put into motion his plan of redemption. That plan that had been talked about for centuries. That plan that had been talked about by, by, by all the prophets. That God was going to provide himself a sacrifice to pay for our sin. And when the angels saw that plan started with the birth of our Savior, they said glory to God in the highest. Someday, as I mentioned before, someday every person will glorify God. Someday every knee will bow. Someday every mouth will confess glory to our God. You know what? We ought not to wait to that day. We as Christians, we that name uh, the name of Christ, we have trusted him for our salvation. We ought to get used to glorifying God. Don't wait till you get don't don't wait till you go to heaven. I mean, you're going to do it when you get to heaven, uh, but don't wait till you get to heaven. Get in, get in the practice of it now. I mean, every day, get up, look to the heavens. Thank you, Lord. Glory to your name for what you've made. Look around and all the things that he's, the way he's blessed us on the earth. Thank you, Lord. Glory to your name. As you read this book and you read about the God of this book and everything that he is, as it's described by the various names in the Bible given to God. Thank you, Lord, for being that kind of God. Glory to your name. We ought to praise him. We ought to praise him. He is the God of hosts. And all glory goes to him. He he was glorious in creation because it was a miracle that spoke the worlds into existence. 
He was glorious in his incarnation when he came to earth and took the form of a man in that it was wonderful. He was glorious in the life that he lived on earth because it was perfect, tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. He was glorious in his resurrection. Oh, I wish I could have been there that third day. Uh, sometimes I wonder if God's going to let us see instant replays when we get to heaven. I would have liked to see the stone rolled away with that unseen hand from the grave. I would have liked to see the soldiers shake and pass out for fear. I would have liked to see the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in the form of a man, walk out of that tomb alive. Glory to God. He's a glorious God. He'll be glorious in his return when one day he comes. First he'll come and say, come up hither. And the church will rise and join him in the air. And then he'll come back that second time to establish his kingdom. He's glorious in his power. He's omnipotent. He's glorious in his love because it's perfect. He's glorious in his salvation because it's complete. Man, when I got saved, when you got saved, we got all the way saved. There wasn't any halfway about it. There wasn't any partiality to it. We, when we got sa- saved, we were saved all the way. I'm so glad we have that kind of salvation. He's glorious in his intercession for us because Jesus is our high priest. His kingdom is glorious because it will be eternal. And his word is glorious because he's preserved it so that we can have it today. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of the host of stars, the Lord of the host of nations, the Lord of the host of angels, the Lord of the host of everything else, that verse says, is with us. Is with us. Then I want you to notice the next phrase. That, by the way, was my introduction. Now I'm getting to my sermon. Here's what that next phrase says. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Why Jacob? Why did God say Jacob? Jacob was not a good guy at times. I mean, you remember Jacob. I mean, if Jacob was alive today, he'd probably live in San Francisco. (laughs) Something wrong with a guy that's home cooking when his brother's out hunting. Amen? Oh, no hunters here today? No. Nothing wrong for a man to cook. I, we got some good men cooks in our church. I wish I was one of them, but I am not. But Jacob was a scoundrel. He used, he, he tricked his brother out of his birthright. Remember that story? Esau had been out hunting, came in tired, said he was going to die because he was so hungry. And Jacob had made some soup, some stew. He said, hey, I'll trade you some stew if you'll sell me your birthright. Now, birthright was important to the Jews. We don't think about much today, but birthright, firstborn, had the birthright. As the firstborn, you got a double portion of your father's inheritance. Uh, You became the high priest of the family, so to speak, when dad passed away. And in, in in the lineage of Christ, the birthright included being in the lineage of Christ. And so Jacob... Uh, tricked or sold, uh, bought his brother's birthright uh, for, for a cup of stew. Remember what else he did when his dad, dad was old and blind? He came in dressed up like Esau to get dad's blessing. 
I mean, his mother helped him put uh, sheep skin, animal skins on his, because Esau was a hairy man and, and, and Jacob didn't have much, but uh, she put skins on his wrist and on the back of his neck because she knew that if, if, uh, if Isaac uh, felt him, uh, he, he, he would not feel the hair. And so Jacob tricked his dad out of the blessing that belonged to his brother, and, and, and then uh, when he, he left home, because Esau was going to kill him for doing both of those things, he left home and, and he spent 20 years with his, uh, his father-in-law. Uh, uh, and, and then he got ready to go home. He snuck off in the middle of the night. I mean, he had, he had, uh, he had 10 or 11 kids. And, and, and instead of letting Grandpa say goodbye, now just you grandfathers, think about this. Instead of letting Grandpa say goodbye to his grandkids, he got up in the middle of the night and snuck off and left. I mean, this guy was a scoundrel. This guy did a lot of things that, that, that we would look at and say, oh, he wasn't a very nice guy. And yet here's God, after talking about himself being the Lord of the host, the host of the stars, the host of the angels, the host of all nations on the earth, the, host, the Lord of the host of Lord of of all hosts, he follows that declaration that causes us to give him glory with the phrase, the God of Jacob. Why, why wouldn't he say the God of Abraham? Abraham was known as a friend of God. Why wouldn't he say the God of Abraham is with us? Why wouldn't he say the God of David? David was a man after God's own heart. Why wouldn't God say the God of David is with us? Why wouldn't he say the God of Moses a servant of God. Why wouldn't God say, hey, I want you to know that the God of Moses is with you? Why didn't he use Job? Why didn't he use Elijah? Why, did, why didn't he use Noah? I mean, there's lots of other heroes in the Old Testament. Now, again, they all weren't perfect. They all had their shortcomings. But if you were to line them up and put them on a scale, Jacob would be down near the bottom. Jacob would be one of the worst of the, I mean, he was still good. He, I mean, God changed his name to Israel. He became a prince with God. I know all that. But if you look at the things that he did in his life, why wouldn't God pick a different person after he just talked about being the Lord of hosts? Why wouldn't he say the God of somebody else is with us? Why did he say the God of Jacob with us? Here's why. It's real simple. God wanted us to know. Even though he's the Lord of glory, even though he is the Lord of hosts, even though he is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient, even though he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he's with us regardless of what we've done. He's with us regardless of what we've done. He, sure, he could have picked a different person. He could have picked Abraham. Again, Abraham wasn't perfect. He made some mistakes in this life. He could have picked Noah. Noah wasn't perfect. But Abraham and Noah, I'd sure put on a scale higher than Jacob. He picked Jacob, one of the scoundrels of the Old Testament, because God wanted us to know that his grace and his presence and his help is not dependent on who we are or what we've done. It's dependent on who he is. Who he is. He's our refuge. That word refuge means that he is our shelter in the time of storm. That word refuge means that he is our rock in sinking stand. 
That word refuge means that he's our hiding place. When the world comes after us and all the world seems like it's it's against us, we have a place that we can go, that we have a place that we can feel at home, we have a place that we can feel the security and the love that only comes from God our Father. And so he says, in spite of Jacob's weaknesses, in spite of Jacob's uh, selfishness, in spite of Jacob's shortcomings, I'm his refuge. I'm his place of protection. I'm his shelter. And if God will do that for Jacob, we better know, we better understand, he'll do the same thing for us. Same thing for us. You see, the glorious Lord of hosts, the God that deserves our glory, knows our burdens. He knows our sorrows. He knows our pains. He knows our bereavement. The Lord of hosts is beside you when you go into surgery. The Lord of hosts dwells at your bedside when you're laid up with sickness. The Lord of hosts catches every tear. The Lord of hosts is with us beside the grave. The Lord of hosts knows when the refrigerator is empty. The Lord of hosts knows our bank balance. The Lord of hosts hears when we scrape the bottom of the barrel. I want to remind you this morning. You say, preacher, where are your points? I don't have any points this morning. I just have one point this morning. Just one point. The Lord of hosts is our refuge. You see, nothing happens in our life that's a surprise to God. Everything that happens in our life, God knows what's going to happen. In fact, either God planned it or God allowed it to happen. I mean, nothing happens. God, is, God doesn't get up today and something happens to us and say, well, I didn't know that was coming. He knows everything's coming. He has a plan for it. Just like he's the Lord of the host of the stars and puts every star in his place. And if a, if a star is going to move, God plans the course of that star. So God does in our life. Every part of our life, God has a plan for. Everything that happens in our life, God has a plan for. And in those times of life when he puts us through suffering, in those times of life where our faith is tested, in those times of life where man seems to turn away from us, he wants us to know that we can run to him, that he will always be there, that he will always provide that place of refuge. He cares about us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He feeds us. Gives us a place to say, say, oh, God doesn't feed me. I get a pension or I make a salary. Well, who do you think gave you the strength to work? Who do you think lets you keep what you got? Who do you think lets you be an American and live in this country and enjoy the blessings of this? It was God. It was God. He is our refuge. The glorious Lord of hosts is the God of the lonely. The glorious Lord of hosts is the God of the bereaved. The glorious Lord of hosts is the God of the brokenhearted. The glorious Lord of of hosts is the God of the backslider. The glorious Lord of hosts is the God of the hospital bed. He's the God of the widow. He's the God of the orphan. He's the God of everything. The glorious Lord of hosts. The God of Jacob. He is our refuge. No detail in your life is unknown to God. He knows you. He knows what you need. 
and he'll meet every need. What a refuge. Do you know him today? Do you know him? you know the God that I'm talking about? The only way you can know that God is to know his son, Jesus Christ. You see, we're all sinners. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're, you're looking at a sinner this morning. There's sinners sitting in the pews this morning. We're all sinners. And there's a penalty for that sin. That penalty is to be separated from that God, to be separated from that God that made us, to be separated from that, the, the Lord of hosts, to be separated from that one that made everything. That's the penalty of sin. That's the price that we pay for sin. And there's nothing that we can do to take care of our sin. Not of works, the Bible says, lest any man should boast. But what we could not do for ourselves, praise God he did for us. He sent a perfect sacrifice to die in our place, to take our sin upon himself. The Lord Jesus Christ, who lived as man, was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. He could go to the cross and pay for my sins because he had no sin of his own. He was the perfect Lamb of God. They played the old rugged cross for the offertory this morning. I was thinking about what I was going to preach. It was on that old rugged cross that God allowed us to nail his son. And as mankind nailed the son of God to that cross, God put on him, placed on him, set on him the sin of every single person. Not just the sin of those who would eventually receive Christ, but the sin of every single person was put on the Lord Jesus Christ and he paid the price for every single one of them. Everyone, everyone, I love that song that says, My sin, not in part, but in whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, it is well with my soul. It's what God did. It's what God did for you. It's what God did for me. He paid for every one of our sins, and he makes that payment for sin. He gives it to us as a gift. The gift of God. Is eternal life. It's in that same verse that says the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you know him today? He wants to be your God. He wants to be your refuge. He can't do it because of sin, but he's paid the price. He offered the sacrifice. And if you come and receive the gift, the Bible says, but as many as received him, Jesus Christ, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. If you're here and you're not saved this morning, that's why you're here. You're not here by coincidence. You're not here by accident. You're here to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and make a decision for him. Would you do that this morning? I, 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 I don't know how to make it any plainer. I don't know how to make it any clearer. You're a sinner. You need a savior. Jesus is the only one that works. And if you come to him, he'll forgive your sin. He'll wash your sin away. He'll dress you in his righteousness. He'll put your name in the Lamb's book of life. He'll make a home for you in heaven. Why would you not? Why would you not? What do you let keeping you from coming to the Savior this morning? Whatever it is, put it aside. And you come to Jesus this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that the God of hosts and the God of Jacob is with us in our refuge. And I pray, Father, that every single person here can know the peace, the joy, the comfort that comes 
from knowing that that's true. I, I pray, Father, for those that are here that don't know that because they've never received Christ as their Savior. Help them to understand that uh, it's the only hope they have. The only hope they have is coming to Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, this morning that the Holy Spirit has convicted them of their sin. They've got a glimpse of the Savior and what he did for them on Calvary. And they would come right now in the next few moments and make him their Savior. So I just ask you to bless the invitation. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Maybe there's some Christians that are here that need to come and get some things out of their life that shouldn't be there. But Father, I pray there's people here that have never asked Jesus to be their Savior who would see their sin this morning, see the Savior, and come to him. So just bless this time of invitation. I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.